So we're finding ways to really connect with students that gives them that confidence to say, okay, I do have, I do bring something. School is not just these, you know, five periods that are really painful for me, but it, and then when I get to the after school is where I really shine. Um, it truly is, you know, that whole child mentality, again, sometimes gets said to the point where it, it's lost its meaning, but education is really about the whole child and building out a robust theater program truly, truly, truly will get you there. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the stage, the official performing arts podcast of the NFHS. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we have the privilege of hearing from Dr. Jennifer Katona. Dr. Katona is the brand new executive director of EDTA and has over 30 years of theater education experience. Dr. Katona, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. So as we kick off the conversation, the first question uh, I really want to start you off with is, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up and how did you, how did you get to where you are now? When I was a kid, I mo- probably like many listeners out there who were theater kids, I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to star on Broadway and I wanted to be in the kick line on Broadway. And ironically enough, Dramatics Magazine, which was published by EDTA, was my gateway to to Broadway. I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, so I would get my magazine and I would cut out the pictures of the Broadway shows and I put them on the vision board above my bed and I just had to get to New York City. (laughs) And so I was lucky enough uh, after college to move to New York and start my career in arts education, um, which I quickly learned was really my place uh, in the world of uh, of theater, that the education component was really my niche and where I felt uh, most comfortable and most fulfilled. Mm. Did you? Do you think you'll ever be a Broadway star? Is that dream still alive? <laughs> I don't know that I can do a kick anymore. <laughs> I don't know that my kick. I think my kick line days are over. But I mean, no. I. I mean, I've been so lucky in my career, and I've been able to work with so many different people, and I've been able to stand on the stages of Broadway. But truly, 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 helping students fulfill their dreams and helping students figure out how to their niche within the world of theater is the most fulfilling piece for me. I've been teaching since I was 14 years old, um, and something really clicked for me uh, when I started teaching that lit me up in a way that performing didn't. Wow, wow, yeah. That is that is so cool that you... You kind of, you know, you've been on, you've been in education since you were 14. So that it's just crazy. But as you are recently hired as the executive director, what path did you take to get to EDTA? What kind of like teaching roles did you have? What kind of leadership roles did you have? Sure. Yeah. So I've been lucky because I was able to identify really early that theater education was where I wanted to go to find a lot of steps on that path. And I never thought or I never set out to be an executive director. I just set out to fulfill this passion of theater education. So um, after college, I worked as a marketing director for touring companies of TYA Productions. Um, Then I moved into teaching in Brooklyn, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. I was a middle school theater teacher. Uh, And from there, I went on to be a teaching artist for about 11 different cultural arts organizations in the New York City area, working with K-12 students. Um, And from that, I really got interested in professional development of teachers. I had been working a lot in the classrooms and wanted to cultivate some of those skills with the teachers. And then that led me on a path to start the graduate program in educational theater at the City College of New York in Harlem. Um, And there I worked for 13 years 
training theater teachers who are certified by the state of New York, as well as working with teaching artists, as well as working with uh, early childhood and childhood education teachers on arts integration skills. And while I was there, I started the program, some after-school programs in Harlem, and that really started to fuel me, and that really started to become the exciting work. Um, and then I left the university and pursued that path and took a job as the director of visual and performing arts for a Title I school district in Connecticut, where I had moved, and did that for a few years through the pandemic. And it was really that, you know, moving through the pandemic that we saw, um, we saw so much, right? We learned so much about education. We learned so much about what teachers need. We learned so much about self-care of our teachers and recommitted me to my love and passion of theater teachers. And so when this position opened up, it was a really exciting time to move on to really commit myself to supporting theater teachers across the country. Yeah, it kind of seems like a match made in heaven because <laughs> you had so much experience and it was open at the right time. But I want to go all the way back to your teacher teacher role at, in Brooklyn because you know Brooklyn. I'm sure you saw you saw a lot of things and you met a lot of people through that. What did your What did you learn in your experience about having theater in schools today? The interesting thing about my teaching is my first day of public school teaching was September 10th, 2001. So for you and your listener, that's one day before 9/11. Um, and I was teaching in a middle school in Brooklyn where we could see the World Trade Center. So not only did my view of education was and the students, right, we were all kind of transformed. So in some ways it was great that I didn't know anything before because I only knew what we needed in that moment. And in that moment, it was really, really clear that the school and the students needed theater to process what was happening to all of us, to the teachers, to the students. And so I jumped in two feet on theater as SEL, as social-emotional learning vehicle. Um, and then as time passed, I was there for a few years, you know, we were doing a lot of work with the students on making sure the theater classroom was their place to exhale during the day. The particular district and neighborhood I was working in, those kids carried a lot with them to school every day, right? They carried the weight of maybe or maybe not they ate, maybe or maybe not they were wearing a warm coat, maybe or maybe not they slept in a bed that night, right? So they kind of walk into the school day and sometimes they needed to process that and do a scene and they'd scream really loud and sometimes they needed to process that and just be silly and dance and sometimes they needed to process that um, through writing or dancing. So um, that teaching was much more about what are my students giving me and what can I give them in return. And from there, I saw both the value of skill-based theater arts education and using theater as arts integration for the school day to help all students just communicate. Yeah, I mean, you, we always talk about how theater is a way of escaping, you know, your life, your, the real world. But in that circumstance, like they were actually, they wanted to escape and they wanted to be in something that made them feel like they had expression and was, they were meant to do that. So I felt like, I think it was a really good thing that, you know, you emphasize that. Yeah, and they needed a sense of control, mm. something they could put a little control over, something that had a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, was really important to the students. And you mentioned um, you were the founder and director of the graduate program in educational theater at the City College of New York. Uh, and you were even presented, which I, I looked up and I saw that you were presented with a, the, the 2014 President's Award for Outstanding Faculty Service at CCNY. How did you get involved with that, you know, with the college and how did you even start that? Sure, thanks. Yeah. So, 
as I said, at that point in my life, I had been doing a lot of teacher training. I had stepped away a little bit from teaching artistry in the classroom and was really focused on any opportunity I could to do teacher development and parent development. And so my colleagues knew that that was kind of where my head was at and where my work was taking me. And this opportunity presented itself at City College. They had been working with Lincoln Center on a program bringing aesthetic education, which is the work of Maxine Green, um, into their into CUNY schools, which is the City University of New York system. And the university, to their credit, was thinking about bringing a certification in theater. 2005 was when New York State recognized theater certification, so they they started to build out that program. They were the first in New York. And so I started that program in 2007. A friend emailed me the posting and said, this sounds like the work you're kind of doing now. Is this something you might be interested in? And what was lovely about it was it was all new. I was kind of bringing a new, fresh perspective to the work. The, state, the city and state were new into what certification should look like in theater. And then it was new to the university. So it was a really lovely kind of kismet moment. Um, and I just kept thinking to myself, what did I need when I was a first-year teacher? What, what, what was important for me to have and what did I wish I had? Um, what's, what's really needed? I think, I mean, I hate this expression, but now more than ever, we need to be equipping our teachers with an, you know, we always talk about the teacher's toolbox and it, that toolbox is getting heavy. Like the skills that a teacher really needs to have a sustained career go so far beyond curriculum. Um, and so that was really, the driving force in thinking about how to develop a successful program and I also think that um, it was really important that we got our graduate students in front of students you know pre-k to 12th grade students and safely make those mistakes and figure out how to teach and figure out how to find your voice in the classroom and so we partnered with a lot of schools a lot of teachers a lot of students and um, we always said CCNY prepares. We tried to prepare you for the realities of what teaching really, really looks like. So now, you know, we've, we've gone through your teaching experience in Brooklyn, through CCNY. What has been the biggest, well, I guess this is a two-part question. What has been the biggest lesson and what has been the biggest challenge of your new role at EDTA? Um, I mean, the biggest lesson learned is that teach, I mean, it's not really a, a lesson as much as, you know, teachers right now need permission to do some self-care <clears throat> you know I think that and I think everybody has good intentions but teachers really need to be able to say I need to only direct one show or I need help or I need to hand this over to so-and-so but theater teachers in particular are always so afraid that their programs will get cut or their resources will be taken away that they are they don't feel like they have that permission so at EDTA, we're really working and thinking about what can we be doing at the national level to be supporting our teachers so they feel like they can exhale just a little bit at this time and rejuvenate themselves and find those spaces for creativity that are not just important, they're life-sustaining. Like We're gonna burn out our teachers if we don't really think about how to support them in, in that way, in their mental health, with their creativity, and giving them resources and supports that that they genuinely really need in the classroom. That's been kind of my career uh, mantra. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great advice. And one of our goals at the NFHS is to, I guess, help our listeners and give them knowledge on other organizations within the performing arts spectrum. Can you explain what the mission is at EDTA? And I think you've touched on it a little bit and how 
you are connected with the International Thespian Society. Sure. So the mission of EDTA is, is this small little mission about just shaping lives through theater. We just <laughs> touch every life. <laughs> We really believe that theater not only is going to prepare students who want to go on in the performing arts or work in some sort of aspect of theater, but is really about building a well-rounded human being. Um, it's been said, but it bears repeating, that theater provides students with skills for collaboration, for communication, and for confidence, which are, these are just 21st century lifelong humanistic skills. Um, being able to debate respectfully, especially right now in our country, is a skill that I think is really important and needed. And so... We're really focused on providing access to a quality theater education to all students, and we do that through the teachers. <clears throat> so we do that by providing teachers with professional developments. We have a robust learning center. We are recommitting ourselves to our diversity, equity, inclusion, and access commitment, and really thinking about what resources we're putting out that will support teachers across the country to have those difficult conversations right now. And. And so that's, that's who we are and what we are. We are and we are more than, um, while we do amazing work in supporting our teachers in their productions and the exciting work that we have going on with the International Thespian Society, our work is really for everybody in theater education or education as a whole who want to bring theater into their classrooms and see these strong impacts that theater has. Yeah, from the outside looking in to EDTA, I can just tell that you know, the first and foremost mission, like you said, is to equip teachers with whatever they need, whatever, whatever problem, whatever key issue is in education right now, whether it's burnout, whether it's, you know, just being able to talk about and communicate with teachers about relevant topics. That's important to all teachers, not even just theater education teachers. You know what I mean? That's right. And we're really working to expand that reach also to their school administrators. So I believe that all school administrators want to provide their students with access to all opportunities. And through a variety of reasons, not all administrators know how to support theater programs in their schools. Um, and so really trying to turn our focus to admin as well. What are the key things that would really show support to your theater programs in your schools and in your I districts? I think you've touched on this a little bit, but... Why do you personally feel the need and the want to have theater in every school across the nation? Yeah, I mean, I've said, I've said it before and I'll say it again, but I, I have seen its impact. I have worked, you know, we, we've talked about this, but I've had a, a long career in this, but I really truly have seen theater transform students' lives, right? And in some small ways where I had a, I had a young girl when I was teaching in Brooklyn, she had just moved to the country. She didn't speak, speak one word of English. She came in as a sixth grader. And by the time she graduated eighth grade, she was completely fluent in English, and she was in every one of my productions. And I know that being in the theater program, it, I mean, she'll tell you, is what developed her English and her confidence. And she moved from being in the um, primarily Spanish-speaking classrooms into the primarily English-speaking classrooms, and she went off to study, and she actually came back, and now she works at that um, school, So, and, it, and is giving back to her community. So we're not just... We're doing all this amazing community reform. We're doing all this amazing um, family work, right? And uh, community work and school work, both school community and then the community in which this, the school sits. We're really digging deep into these communities when we put theater programs into them. When I was working at City College, we started a middle school theater program at the K-8 school that was on our campus. And it became clear after the first year when we just didn't have any audience. No one was really showing up for the kids. They were doing this hard work. So 
we started a community potluck dinner and we got the local restaurants to donate food and we got the parents to donate food and then it became this community event that everybody got excited about so we thought about what is the culture of this community what is um, what's a tie that they have right what's what's something that's already embedded in the way that they sh uh, show their support and we connected to that and so when we put theater programs into communities yes we're doing fun you know Broadway junior shows and we're doing Frozen and we're doing Annie and you know that's that's really fun and exciting but what we're really doing is we're in some cases building out economic resources for communities in some cases we're supporting families where parents or their guardians may only have been asked to come into the school because their kid got in trouble but now we're asking them to come to their school and help build sets and, and think about costumes or just celebrate their students and we know particularly with our students with disabilities that theater is often the place where they thrive, that their learning modality really lights up on the stage where maybe it doesn't in a more traditional classroom. So we're finding ways to really connect with students that gives them that confidence to say, okay, I do, have, I do bring something. The school is not just these, you know, five periods that are really painful for me, but it, and then when I get to the after school is where I really shine. Um, it truly is, you know, that whole child mentality, again, sometimes gets said to the point where it, it's lost its meaning, but education is really about the whole child, and building out a robust theater program truly, truly, truly will It's get such you a there. nice change of pace for, like, parents when the school is calling them not about their kids getting in trouble, but they want help, and, like, they, they need their help, you know what I mean? I, maybe you can speak on this a little bit. How important is it for schools to rely on community and rely on the environments that they're placed in? I mean, I think it's essential, and I think that's when the work really gets some roots, right? So if you can, if you put a theater program in a school community that maybe uh, economically is not well served, I do think that it brings this positive force into the community. So local business um, gets a boom because we need to buy things for the production. Local restaurants get a boom because people are coming to see the show. It brings um, a positive something, you know, these three days, this positive thing is happening at the school. I've only seen positive things come from it. And I, and I think if our schools and our districts think about theater programs in this way, uh, one, I think it opens up funding sources. So for all you listeners out there, think about other ways to fund these programs. But two, it also, you know, so often the school sports, right, that's what we think about, like the community coming together. And that same rule applies to the arts uh, if, if we treat it Absolutely. the same way. And I, I wanted to go back on a, a topic that we were talking about uh, earlier when it comes to burnout. What does the EDTA do to, I, I don't know, alleviates the right word or just combat burnout in theater educators across the country? That's the conversation we're all having right now yeah. at the staff level. So we don't, I certainly can't say like we're doing <laughs> A, B, and C, but I can say to all the teachers out there, what, what we do know is that teachers need something more immediate, right? So if, so on our learning center, we have, um, we have, they could go right now to the learning center. It's free. There's access to lesson plans and curriculum maps and webinars and resources. Um, there's a collection of different monologues. So if you're just feeling like I've been using the same material in my classroom, I need to 
rejuvenate that, that that could be a, re a resource to you. So in the immediate right now, go to our Learning Center and you'll have access to a lot of, lot of resources. One step up from that, the burnout comes because we're feeling like we're constantly fighting. We're constantly fighting for space, we're constantly fighting for resources, we're constantly fighting to stay on the agenda, to stay on the calendar. And so again, the organization has um, a whole you know, list of advocacy-focused resources that they could use, right? Talking points to talk to your school administration, talking points on how to engage your parents uh, in support. So if you're a teacher who's feeling like they're on the chopping block, as so many are, how to engage, how to get the, the, the parent voice and the student voice, which are your strongest allies, how to get them to do that work for you. And then the third thing is, is, is again, is just recommitting ourselves to getting that message out there to teachers that you're allowed to take a break too, that you're allowed to um, put your feet up and watch something that's going to, you know, get you excited and, and get you, um, your, your creativity brewing again. Um, and we're, you know, we're working, we have the Educational Theater Foundation and we have some um, relief grants that we, that work out of COVID, out of, you know, when there was a real need and now we've repurposed them to programmatic relief grants. And so if you're feeling like you need that kind of support, then you can um, visit EDTA and our Educational Theater Foundation for information on that yeah. as well. And for those listening, definitely go check out the Learning Center, go check out uh, the EDTA's website because I think it's a really good resource and really, really it's for you, those listening, it's for you specifically. But Dr. Katona, as we start to wrap up today, uh, I like asking this question because at the NFHS, we're all about high schools and we're all about, you know, activities in high schools. What was your favorite activity in high school and how formative was that for you now? Well, I don't think it's going to be a surprise that I would say it's my theater club. <laughs> <laughs> right. The cooking club. Uh, no, the, yeah, my after school job, they were called the, the Harlequins. We were a um, we were a thespian troupe. We weren't that involved, so I wasn't that connected to being a thespian, but like I said at the beginning, I got my dramatics magazine from that, and I knew I was part of the society and the honor, you know, the honor society, so I knew I was connected to something bigger than myself, and I, to me, I was connected to Broadway, and so that was, was really formative to myself when I was making my vision board. Um, but I will also say that having a theater program in high school led me to then study it in college. I don't think I would have made that jump had I not had it as a, uh, a course that I was taking in high school. I don't think I would have seen its value or its importance if it hadn't been weighted for me in such a positive way um, in my high school career. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And definitely, I don't think a lot of high, schools real, high schoolers realize that you know, they can work in theater and they can do a lot of different things, not just acting and being a part on Broadway, but Educate the education side and the advocacy side too. Yeah, and I would also say to young people this, the marketing side. I know you know I'm going to sound like an old lady now, but I do. <laughs> I mean, we do know that social media is here for a little bit while longer, at least. And you know, I know my own kids are really excited about making their YouTube shorts and 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 finding other ways to communicate with their friends. And that is a whole life within the world of entertainment right now. And so you could you could match your two loves of, of marketing and social media and being an influencer, but do it for the good of theater and Broadway and education. Well said, well said. But Dr. Katona, I, I really do appreciate you coming on today. As I look back at what we discussed, kind of have some summary points that I like to talk about at the end. First is 
teachers have to rely on community and their environment that they're in because that's so important and it can really make or break uh, your programs essentially. Yeah, the last thing I would add is that if you are not currently a member of EDTA to, to join and mm. within each state we have chapters and each chapter is made up of a series of troops. So essentially think about your local school being part of a larger state organization that then funnels up to our national. And so to your point, Ken, if you are looking, if you're feeling like you're the silo teacher somewhere, it's very possible that in the town over from you or somewhere in your state, there's a, a collective and a group and a network waiting for you. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Katona, thank you again for coming on today. It really means a lot. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. For all the listeners out there, please remember to leave a rating and review on the podcast. It really it really helps us out. And to share it. Share it with somebody that you think is going to be impacted by what we discussed today, especially theater educators. Thank you so much for listening. 